for us, and then we'll start. Jesus, please help us. Holy Spirit, please work in us. Um, we want to be we want to be remembering today that the story of Easter is so critical for our lives. And I realize that there's some times where it doesn't that doesn't show, or there's some times where uh, in the busyness of work or parenting or uh, trying to get school stuff done or, or all these things that sometimes that can take a back seat. But I'm so thankful that people are here today because they prioritize this. They prioritize maybe friendships that they have with family and relationships. So could you just help us make this into a really meaningful and important day? Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. So last uh, April... My family and I got a chance to do something that uh, I know, especially for my wife, she's always wanted a chance to do. And then uh, the kids were really excited about it as well. Uh, we got a chance to go down to New York City to go to the Statue of Liberty. How many people have ever gone like to the actual Statue of Liberty, done the, the hundreds and hundreds of steps up inside of there? It was a really awesome opportunity. Now, we're kind of fast travelers when it comes to this sort of thing. So we did it in, in about 24 hours to get down there, go visit the monument, and then, and then get back. But as we were headed down there, we, we were able to remember to reserve tickets to do all the things that we wanted to do so we didn't have to show up there and not know what was going on. We drove down to the New Jersey side of the river, and we parked over there, and then we had the, um, the ferries to take us back and forth to each of the sites. So we, we had that planned out. And then we also checked, we said to the lady that we were doing our reservations with, we said, you know, can we get to go to the 9-11 Museum? She said, yes, you can. And she said, this ticket includes kind of three rides. But then once you get over to 9-11 Museum, you can just get a water taxi back. We said, perfect. So we went down there and it was a beautiful, sunny day. Uh, like I said, Tracy has always really looked forward to it. It's been something that she's just mentioned to me time and time again about wanting to get a chance to do. So we went over there. It was, just a, it was a nice wind. It wasn't a real bad day. And we got to go to Ellis Island, which was amazing. If you ever have the opportunity, you should go. Uh, we got a chance to go over to the Statue of Liberty and to climb. We didn't do all the way up. We did the first uh, platform, which is actually pretty far up. Uh, a lot of walking. The kids had a, you know, did really well. We had a great day. And then we got to go across uh, the river and get to go to the 9-11 Museum. And it was just, it was powerful. It was a really uh, unique kind of time for us. After we came out of there, it was about 5 o'clock at night. And we had to stop and get some New York pizza, okay? Because uh, I'm from New York originally. And if you want really, really good pizza... We're in New York City, got to get New York City pizza. So we stopped off there and had a really good dinner. And then we walked back over to Battery Park to go get onto one of the water taxis. Well, as we got over to Battery Park, guess what? There were no, when we came in, there were boats all over the place. There were people all over the place. When we got to Battery Park, there was no one there. Like literally no one. Everything was walled off. Everything was closed. And suddenly it began to hit me. I thought, you know what? My car is on the New Jersey side. It's a long swim. <laughs> I began to think, I don't know where to go to get this water taxi. So what did I do? I tried to call the phone number that I had. What did I get? I got a voice recording. 
That's not real comforting when you get into that situation. I'm beginning to look at this situation that I have my wife and I have my two kids and we're in Manhattan. We're safe, but I don't know how we're going to get home at this point. By the grace of God, when we walked down through Battery Park, there were two guys there and we said to them, hey, do you know where the water taxi's at? And if, you, if, you're, if you're from New York, you realize this, especially from the city. Whatever transportation you use, you know. But if you don't use the other transportation, you don't know it. You have no idea it exists. So we said, we heard there's a water taxi. Do you know where it is? These guys are like, nope, it's not here though. Thank you. All right, awesome. So, so we decided to walk back towards the 9-11 Museum, and we went along the waterfront. And we're starting to think about this. I'm beginning to feel it. I know they're beginning to feel it, but me as a dad... I'm beginning to feel this incredible weight, this incredible discomfort. I'm afraid because I'm thinking, how am I? And I'm going through my head. Okay, my brother lives about an hour and a half uh, east from here out on Long Island. I can call him. Maybe he'd come in and get me. I also know that some of you guys knew Brian Scott. Uh, I knew that at that point he was in the Coast Guard. He was living over on the Jersey side. I could ask him to drive through rush hour traffic to come over and get us and bring us over uh, home to New Jersey again. Other people that we started to talk to are saying, well, you could go over it and get onto the train station and you could get on a train, but the train's only going to take us to northern Jersey. I still got an hour to get back down to my car. So I'm beginning to just feel this weight and this pressure and we're walking through and I'm beginning to feel stupid and I'm angry at myself and I'm frustrated at this moment. And I don't know what to do. And by the grace of God, we just kind of stopped for a minute and we said, guys, we just got to just pray. And there's not much to pray at that minute, right? This wasn't some flowery prayer. It was just, God, I don't know what to do. And we we need help. I don't know where to go. And I'm angry. You know, it's just, it's one of those sin areas in my life that's real. And I'm beginning to get angry. I'm getting frustrated. I'm beginning to be frustrated that I am not God. That's where it really goes down deep in me. So we prayed together for a minute. And then we thought, well, okay, um, let's just walk up towards the 9-11 Museum. And as we started going up, we got about a half a block. We got to a corner. And when we arrived at that corner, it was, it was kind of one of those amazing things because I'm still frustrated, I'm still angry, and I'm still male. So I'm not asking anybody for directions. <laughs> God didn't take that away from me, okay? But as we get to that intersection, there's this older lady. She's standing there. And she's just like classic New York. This is just a, a classy lady, but she, she kind of looks at Tracy and she goes, do you guys need help? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And that started a process. Because what she said to us was really great. She goes, oh, you're trying to get to the water taxi? Yeah, okay, well, it's just over that direction. You see that tall building? I'm in Manhattan. All right, tall building. Yeah, so she goes, go over there. And when you come in, you'll go in the doors that are right there, go through that building, and when you come out the other side, you're going to be right near it. Awesome. So we, we head that way. Thank you very much. We start going there. We get to the doors. What's at the doors? The doors, that whole entrance is literally under construction, closed. You cannot go into this building. 
But like I said, it was a couple steps. We looked over, there's some transit cops over there. So we're like, let's go ask them. So we go over, we ask the transit cops. We're like, is there a water taxi? We don't even know. They literally didn't know that there was a water taxi right there or anywhere near there. But they're like, well, probably you should walk over that direction. So we head that direction. We ran into somebody else. They said, oh, yeah, you probably want to kind of go right over towards that kind of corner of it. And we got over there, and then we found a lady walking her dog. Well, she was carrying her dog. It was a small enough dog that she didn't walk it. And you figure, okay, well, she's from here because you don't carry your dog long distances, at least most of us, right? So, so she said, well, right over there. So then each little progressive step, we kept moving along. And then when we came around this one section, somebody else said, it's right over there. And we're able to get over there, and we're able to walk into this water taxi terminal, and we were able to buy tickets. They were cheap, and we were able to get this, uh, this ride that would take us across the river and right back to our car. It's amazing to see, A, the way that God took care of us in that situation. It seems like a small thing, but it was a big thing at that moment. But it also shows a progression inside of our story. Because at first, that story was going just so well. Everything was right in the world. But then suddenly this catastrophe, this catastrophe of not being able to find out where we were supposed to be, this stress of thinking, oh, wait, am I going to have to actually, like, you know, on the spot rent a hotel in Manhattan? That would not be cheap, okay? That wouldn't fit well with our budget. The catastrophe of trying to think, am I a total failure as a dad because I didn't anticipate this well? But then, by the grace of God, there was this redemption. There was this deliverance. There was this, able, this opportunity to be able to get out of the situation that we were in. And in the end, now as I tell the story, it's really easy to tell the story because the ending was so good. It took away all that pain, all that frustration, all that difficulty, all the scariness of it went away and makes that into a great trip today instead of what it could have been maybe during the middle of that. Now, that's one of my stories. I know each one of us has a story like that. There's uh, four pictures over here that uh, Jeff and Jillian did for us. And uh, here, wave your hand, Jeff, real quick. Because, you know, really, really talented guys. But these four words sum up your story of your life. They sum up your story of what happened even maybe for some of you yesterday. They sum up the story of your whole life as well. And they influence your life more than you understand. They're also the story of the entire Bible. If you're, if you're wondering today, if you want to walk away and just go, wow, I learned one thing in church today, I can tell you that the, ba- the basic story of the Bible is creation. We call it catastrophe or fall. And then redemption and then restoration. That's really what the Bible is all about. So let me just point out a few things to you and then how that ties into Easter because this is, this is story. When we talk about creation, what we're talking about is the fact that everyone has this belief about where they came from. What was your family like? What shaped you into being the person that you are today? And then there's a couple questions that go with it. Who or what do you credit for who you are? ever thought about that question before? 
obviously, you know, I got to watch a little bit of the basketball game last night, watch Villanova. Wasn't sure how that one's going to turn out in the long run. But you can kind of picture, boy, I wonder who some of those guys would credit. One of, they were talking about how one of the guys who has just a really nice shot, his mom was the one who taught him how to shoot. Isn't that awesome? It was his mom, you know. What a, what a great thing to be known to sit there and go, wow, my mom was the one who taught me to have this, this awesome shot. Who do you credit, though? When you look at your life, when you look at where did you get your identity? For some of you, you would say positively, wow, it was this person because of how much difference they made in my life. But we also know that there's plenty of people in here who would say, man, it was because of my dad and what a failure he was. My identity was shaped by this person who hated me when I was young. This person who mistreated me. This person, you know, this failure at um, maybe my job. I, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe it was just that someone who you loved dearly passed away. What is your origin story? Who do you credit for who you are? The second thing is what we call the fall. And the, the, the idea here is this world, our community, even our families, our schools, my workplace, they're broken, aren't they? They're just not quite the way that they ought to be. And every single person has a real deep down fundamental belief about what causes that brokenness? If you, um, if you love Bernie Sanders, you probably have a different view about what the fundamental problem of the world is than if you follow Donald Trump. Okay? Every single one of us, though, has this deep down uh, assumption. And it drives us, it, it shapes us in everything that we do about what is it that shapes. And, and what I want is justice. What I want is for things to be made right. So the key questions are, are, are some of these. Why are things and people not the way they're supposed to be? And who should I blame for that? Redemption. Redemption is, though, I've got a solution. I've got an answer. I know how to fix this. What is it that I would do? So some of the key questions there, who or what's going to rescue me from the place that I'm in? Maybe if I could just get a little bit more money. I have the privilege of working with the uh, Portland Pirates as a chaplain. And it's sort of interesting, because here's young guys. They make a good amount of money. But I've definitely run into it sometimes where they've kind of hit even some financial struggles, and they think, if I could just get into the NHL, my pay scale will flip. I could make a lot more money. They're not the only ones who think that, right? There's some of us who sit there and think, man, if I could just make some more money at my job... I could finally have my life together. Who or what's going to rescue you from what's broken? What's your solution? I know for me it was first a phone call when we were in New York. I know when we were in New York it was thinking if I could just figure out how to work the trains, you know, so I could get out to my car so I could come back and pick my family up. What, whatever it is, what's your solution? Finally, uh, restoration. Everyone has a picture of the future when everything is the way that it should be. What's your picture? What would life look like if everything finally went well? 
So the questions that go along with this is, what will the world or will, what will the world or your world look like when everything is the way that it should be? And who or what will be with, um, with you? Who will be the focus of that world? What I want us to see today is your story, the way that you interpret that story has a massive influence on what you believe even today about Easter. The biblical story I'm going to read to you just from Titus. I want to do a different passage uh, because I know sometimes we come for Easter and it kind of seems like we hear the same passage each time. So turn, if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to your Bible to to Titus chapter 3, feel free to use an app. Uh, we got no problem with that around here. But in Titus chapter 3, I just want to read you this. This is very similar to what we've sung. It's very similar to what we've read. It's very similar to the story that, that Scott told Uh, We're trying to tie these things all in together. But in Titus chapter 3, it kind of tells us a little bit about what the catastrophe is. A little hint for you. If you listen to other people tell their stories, either about how their day went or how their life has gone, you'll actually hear some of these four things flowing through those stories. That's just free. It's worth it. It's valuable to begin to identify that, to go, wow, this person's saying this is what crushed their life. In Titus chapter 3, though, it says this, For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient. We were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now that is not a real optimistic view of us, is it? I don't think that... um, Here Paul is saying, that's all you are. But when we dig down to what the Bible says, when we dig down to why is Easter necessary, one of the realities that we've got to face is that this world is not the way it ought to be. And this world is not just the people outside of us. But when I look through my life, I begin to understand that the problem is in here and not just out there. I don't become angry when I'm standing in New York because New Yorkers are mean. (laughs) Okay, In fact, New Yorkers that day were just amazing. I become angry because there's something inside of me. There's a problem inside of me. It's 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 a selfishness inside of me. So we like to say a lot of times, I don't get angry in traffic because the person in front of me is actually driving slow. I, you know, they do drive slow, don't they? They get in your way, especially when you're trying to get somewhere. You got something to get to. But the only reason I get angry is because it's already in here. If maybe we're parenting our kids and suddenly we're tired and we're worn out, often what happens when, say, anger comes up in that situation, it's because it's already in here. Someone just found a way to tap into it. What Paul is saying here is that every single one of us has a problem. Every single one of us has a radical self-centeredness. And it begins to affect the way that I interact with maybe coworkers. It begins to interact with, you know, it affects the way that I respond to my spouse or to my parents. It, it, it affects the way that I respond to the really slow driver in front of me. And what he says here is, it's something that is the opposite of the way we were made. In creation, 
We were made to be with God. And if you take the biblical story the way you should as being historically accurate and incredibly insightful, we found out that we were made to be in perfect connection with other people. That first marriage of Adam and Eve, they were able to actually be just completely honest. They were able to be constantly looking out for the good of the other so that they never had to take care of themselves. That's what God created us to be. But a catastrophe happened. And that catastrophe was when we said, God, we know better how to take care of the world than you do. We know better how marriage should look than you know. We, we can handle this. We don't need you anymore. Now, some of you guys have like two-year-olds, right? There's a bunch of you. And you guys know how this one goes, right? I can do it. I can do it. Or I do it, you know, however they, however they want to kind of say their, their thing. But they know how to do this stuff. They don't need you big people anymore. And as parents, you sit there and go, yes, you do. <laughs> and is that controlling? No, it's loving. And in the same way as, as little people call it, we sat there with God and we said, I can do it. But that caused lots of problems. It began to break down all of our relationships. The catastrophe of Scripture is that my sinfulness was unleashed. And it began to affect every relationship. It began to affect the way we treated the world. It began to affect the way we treated human beings. So what Paul says here is the first thing we've got to at least be able to be brave enough to come to is to admit, you know what? Maybe each one of these isn't mine, but I've got to admit it. I'm foolish. I'm disobedient. There's times I'm led astray. I know I should go that way. You know, I know I shouldn't eat that uh, right before bed, but yeah, you know, hey, it's kid's candy. Why not, you know? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I'm led astray. Slave to various passions and pleasures. Passing our days in malice and envy. Hated by others and hating one another. That's the fall. That's the problem. That's what's broken. It brought with it consequences. And the consequences is not just broken relationship. It also means that We've got to stand before the God who says, no, this is the way you were made to live, and there's consequences for that. Death. Separation. To be separated from God for eternity. To be in hell. But Easter isn't just about identifying those. Easter is about the fact that God, let's read these next few verses Those things were true, but, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So here's what he says in there. Even though all that was wrong, even though that catastrophe had fallen onto us where we don't want to be like that with our kids, but we are. 
even though it has fallen on us because we don't want our marriage to be like that, even though we don't want to be that person. God sent Jesus. And Jesus came to rescue us. On Friday, He died on the cross. And it was that day that He defeated sin. That's where it talks about by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. On Sunday, He defeated the consequences of sin, which is death. So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs to the hope of eternal life. God sent Jesus so there could be redemption. God sent Jesus because every single one of us needs a solution. Every single one of us needs a remedy. We're looking for somebody to fix us. Someone to save us. Someone to give our life meaning again. Some of us are going to look to someone else. Caitlin was watching that Legally Blonde movie from like 2004 the other night. How many people have watched that? You can admit it. It's all right. We won't judge you for that. Great theme in the movie, though, is she started out looking for her, her boyfriend, her fiancé, to save her. And she learned through the movie she couldn't, he wouldn't. It was a bad choice. Some of us are saying, well, then I better turn to me. I can save myself. But what Paul is saying here is, guys, neither one of those is a good choice. To turn to someone else or to turn to myself. To turn to, you know, alcohol. To turn to uh, success. To turn to money. To turn to uh, going pro in our sport. All these things will fail us at some point. We need a better Savior. And that's why it says here, God sent Jesus to come and be that perfect Savior. I remind my guys on the hockey team all the time, you know what? Hockey will never die for you. Hockey will demand that you die for it. It will take every ounce of your energy. It will take your physical health and well-being away from you. It will pay you for a little while. But think about it. You know, hockey, what? If you're in your 30s, you're washed up. You're coming to the end of your greatness. We can't live for our sport. We can't live for these things. We need a better Savior. Jesus is the only one. Because, you know, let's ask this. Would your, would your boss, would your job die for you? Pretty sure for most of you, your job would ask you to die for it. Right? You kind of feel like that with tomorrow coming. You're used to that. We need a Savior who can actually save us. Not just call for us to die for it. Christianity doesn't just call you to die for Jesus. Christianity says, no, Jesus is a Savior who's come to rescue you, to redeem you. And He will die for you. That's redemption. That's what He's talking about in here. It's by grace. It's not by work. Some of us think that the last three words from the cross were, make me proud. But the last three words from the cross were, it's finished. Jesus has done for you. Now I realize, for some of us, we're not at a place where we can accept that yet. Because that would be just too much to have to turn over that much control. To have to be able to sit there and say... 
someone else has to do for me. Like I said before, as good New Englanders, I love helping you. But it is the hardest thing in the world for me to do, to ask for help from you. Right? Am I right on this? I know I am. Okay? I know I am. But the biblical story, what Easter is all about, is that God sent Jesus to come do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Now, who's that going to help? It's going to help those who are able to come to the point where they ask for help. A couple things that should flow through our minds right now. Maybe the question should hit you. Am I able to ask for help? Every single one of us knows what we think is, say, broken in the world. And every single one of us has some picture of what we think will fix it. I think that's what's engaged people so much in the political process this year. My question is, what do you think is going to fix your world? What do you think is going to make things right? And what would the world look like when it's done? When it's fixed. Are you at the place in your life where you've kind of finally realized, you know what? I can't fix this myself. I need someone who's wiser. I need somebody who has a better perspective. I need somebody who's not as as motivated by self as I am. Maybe it's time to just look into Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to come to Jesus and say, all right, instead of, instead of just thinking, I already know what you're all about, maybe I need to come and begin to look into him, discover a little bit more about him. I encourage you, take that step. That's okay. We're not trying to get people to walk an aisle or make some decision today. What we're trying to do is say, hey, have you really considered Jesus? And have you really done the heart work to understand what drives you? Or are you just going to keep driving, keep pushing, and hope that when you get to the end of the road, you are in the right place? A second thing that I want to do is for those of us who are convinced, for those of us who are convinced about who Jesus is and what God's done for us, I want to ask you this today. Do we keep that centered? Do we keep reminding ourselves? It is so easy to sit there and say, I accepted Jesus at one point, but you know what? Today, I've got a whole new catastrophe. So, all right, this is my life, all right? Let's be honest about life. But last night, I'm downstairs trying to finish up sermon prep. My kids are getting cleaned up. Tracy's cleaning up the house. We've got a ton of people coming over. We're excited about that. And what starts to happen? Water starts dripping out of the ceiling right underneath my shower, right in the middle of my kitchen. I'm so holy and so excited about that, right? I freak out, all right? In that moment, and I'm, and I'm having to kind of like, like have this conversation with myself, so I'm sitting there going, right now I feel like I need to stop this. I need to figure out what's going on in this. I'm getting angry. All these kind of things are popping up in here, right? And I'm like, wait, I'm talking tomorrow about how Jesus is the Savior, about how Jesus is the one who can redeem me. But right now I need Jesus the plumber and not Jesus the, you know. But I have to repent of that. 
Because I know in that moment, again, it's me trying to be in charge of my life and trying to fix my life. Believers, today, will you just go back and say, Jesus, you know what? That's right. You're the Redeemer. And in fact, restoration points us to the fact that Jesus is rewriting your history. And there is a day that is coming where your life will not be marked by the sin and what people have done to you. Your life will be marked by what Jesus has done for you. And that's not just someday in eternity, someday in the future. That's even healing now. I can become a more loving, more trusting, more productive person. It's interesting because for those of you who sit there and feel like but like, like being a Christian or, or spirituality is non-productive. And what we do is we sit around and listen to lots of lectures and we feel like it's just sitting around doing nothing. The application of this theology, look what Paul says about it. He says in verse 8, The saying is trustworthy. So this teaching I just gave you is true. I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works because these things are excellent and profitable for people. The outflow of believing in Easter is that we should be people who are freed up now to actually bless others, to live for the good of others, to change the world into a better place. That's the outflow of what Easter should be. So I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to just encourage you. Hey, what's, what's your next step? What's the next thing that God wants to be doing in your life? Do you need to investigate Jesus more? Do you need to kind of repent and come back and say, all right, Jesus, that's right. You're in control and you can save me and I can't save me. So I'm going to trust you more. Or do you need to sit there and go, boy, I really do trust that. Man, I want to give my life away. I don't want to have to just live for, like, you know, how my bracket's doing. I want to live for bigger things than that. I want to invest in people. I want to make this a better world. So I don't know where you're at, but that's what I want to really encourage you to do today. Let's go ahead and let's pray. And then uh, right after that, at some point, you're going to hear lots of noise, like little elephants coming.